0: If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Psalm chapter 92. Oh man, every time I hear that song, Oh praise the name of the Lord our God. I, I want to just keep singing it and keep singing it. I kind of just, uh, I just, I just love that song. So uh, we're going to be talking about that in fact in Psalm 92 about praising God, about just uh, adoring Him and worshiping Him. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I get excited I get excited about doing just that. There, there's just something about it. I don't know. It, nothing really compares to it, no matter what you do, no matter where you go. There's just nothing that compares to worshiping God, and, uh, and, and I wish there was something that you could, but nothing gives you the peace that worshiping God does. Nothing gives you the security that worshiping God does. Nothing gives you the joy. And uh, joy isn't always expressed in, you know, waving hands, and although sometimes it is. If, if you've been singing, and if you ever look down over here, you'll see my two kids, and they're always singing like this. They really, it gives them that joy. But sometimes there's joy that just just moves you to tears, and uh, there's, there's joy that shakes your very soul, and worshiping God does that. Nothing else can do that like worshiping God, and I hope you're excited about being in God's house. I hope you're excited about being able to open God's word. And so I want to invite you to Psalm chapter 92. And we're really not going to start off a new series today. We're just going to really focus on the theme of Thanksgiving. It's coming up this Thursday, and it's something that we celebrate every year in our country. But I want to talk a little bit about what that even means and what exactly we're celebrating. In Psalm chapter 92, we we find that the psalmist writes about this of thanksgiving, what he writes about praising God. And I want you to notice that he he writes, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery, upon the harp with a solemn sound. For Thou, Lord, hast made me glad through Thy work. I will triumph in the works of Thy hands. O Lord, how great are Thy works, and Thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knoweth not, neither doth a fool understand this. When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But Thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. My horn shall be, uh, shalt thou exult like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eye also shall see my desire on mine enemies, and mine ear shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. You shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And they shall still bring forth fruit in old age. And they shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Let's pray. Father, as we study Your Word this morning, as we dive into... The truths of this passage, I pray that, first of all, you would fill me with your spirit. Oh, that I might be able to communicate this morning the, the message that you've laid on my heart, the, the truth and the realities of this passage that apply to us, your children. I ask that we would be ready and receptive to your word, and that we would not just be hearers of your word this morning, but doers also. Oh, help us to focus on what your word is telling us today, that it wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other, that the next few moments we wouldn't uh, look at how fast we can leave or how long we can stay, but more importantly, what it is that you have to say. Help us to be a people that will hear you today. And so I ask that you speak to us. Use me, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So what is Thanksgiving? You know, I know the history books will teach us that in October of 1621, after a difficult year and the time of harvest after a really terrible winter, God had been with those first pilgrims that came from England and... Throughout that year survived, and once the harvest time came, they decided that they were going to have a three-day feast, a celebration. They invited Native Americans to come, and uh, they say, according to the written history that we have, about, Native, uh, about 90 Native Americans were there, about 53 pilgrims, and together they ate, together they studied God's Word, together they sang praises and celebrated this thing that we call Thanksgiving. But is that really what Thanksgiving is all about? I mean, why did they do this? If you were to ask the average American today about Thanksgiving, it's, I think, rather interesting what we would maybe, what we would answer. It's amazing to me that I think if you were to ask what Thanksgiving is all about, some would say, well, it is about the, uh, the pilgrims and what they did on uh, October of 1621. But others would say, oh, well, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, it's, uh, it's about family. It's about being with family, spending time with family. Yet others would probably say, oh, Thanksgiving, that's, um, that's football. I mean, that's, that's like Cowboys uh, uh, against Redskins, or it's, it's about a, a big football game, the Packers, or, or someone is playing, and, and it's about football season, and, and it's about turkey, right, and, and eating some good... Uh, pies and eating some casseroles and just getting around the table and doing that. But in fact, I would venture to say that none of those things are Thanksgiving. And yet all of it is part of Thanksgiving. (laughs) It has to do with Thanksgiving and these are things that we do, but is that really what Thanksgiving is all about? Is it really only about spending time with family? Is it really only about eating a meal together? Isn't it more than that? And if it is more than that, then what is it? What is Thanksgiving really all about? Well, if I had to answer that question, I could, I could answer it really simply, and, and maybe you could too, and, and maybe this answer, as I give it to you, you might be like, uh, okay, that, that, I don't really know that that answers the question. But Thanksgiving, what it's all about, Thanksgiving is about being thankful, but at just being thankful in general, it's about being thankful to God. At its, at its pure focus, at its, at its um, if you had to break it down all the way and you took away everything else, if you took away the football and you took away the meal together and you took away spending time with family, if you, if you took away all of that and you stripped it all away, what cannot change about Thanksgiving, what cannot change? be taken away and still be thanksgiving, is a thankfulness to God. See, that's what it's really all about. What we're celebrating this Thursday really comes to that. Now, you might think, well, isn't being thankful on thanksgiving, isn't that pretty obvious? I mean, Pastor, seriously, how dumb do you think we are? I mean, you know, we, we're not geniuses, but we ain't that dumb either. The word itself says thanks, thanksgiving. But you know, it's really easy for us as people to not be thankful. I read a story this week. It amazed me about a man by the name of Edward W. Spencer. I don't know if you've heard of him. He lived in 1860. During that time in 1860, he was going to, at that time, a university that was preparing young men to go into full-time ministry as pastors or missionaries. The name of the university was Northwestern University. I know if you think about Northwestern today, that's not what they stand for, but it was in 1860. And Edward was there and he was learning. Uh, he was going to go into ministerial work. And one night, September 2nd, early in the morning, about 2 a.m. in the morning, I believe the ship was called Lady Elgin. And it was a ship that was traveling and it, and it, uh, it was touring the, the area there on Lake Michigan. And that night, it didn't realize that it hit a bank. And uh, it began to damage the whole of the ship. And the captain, because it was dark, not thinking that it was that bad, it it didn't feel like a really heavy bump, decided we're just going to keep going. And sure enough, not too long after that, the boat began to sink. In fact, hundreds died. But they were pretty close to shore, And Edward was a very good swimmer. In fact, he was known for his swimming ability and how strong he was in the water. And being alerted to what was going on, Edward decided, I got to try to do something. So he tied a rope around him, and it was a pretty long rope. He had people on the other end of the rope, some of the other students from the uh, college there, and he jumped into the water, and it was freezing. It's September. Lake Michigan's cold as it is. But when it's in the fall, it's even colder. And he began to swim. And the passengers that were already getting tired and they couldn't keep themselves above water, he would go and he would grab them. And then he began swimming back and he tug on the rope and they'd help him. And then he did it again. And then he would tug on the rope after he found somebody else and did it again. And did it again. 17 people Edward Spencer rescued that night. In fact, according to his own account, he passed out after the 17th person. When he woke up, he was in a room and his brother was there taking care of him. And he told his brother, Will, he said, Will, did I give it all? Did I do my best? Will, Will could, I, could I have done more? And, and Will said, listen, you, you did all you could, Ed, all you could. 17 people, you saved 17 people's lives. Because of all the cold of getting in and out, of using all that he did, he was permanently injured in his body. In fact, he was in a wheelchair the rest of his life after that experience. He didn't finish college. The trauma of that experience stayed with him the rest of his life. He said that he could hear the screams every time he went to sleep. He could see their faces Of those that he wasn't able to save. But he was able to save 17. Well years passed. And sadly someone noted. That at Edward's funeral. Not one of the 17 showed up. Not one of the 17 ever wrote Edward to say thank you for saving my life. Not one of the 17 says, I owe everything to you, Edward, or I would have died that night. Edward, thank you for your sacrifice. Edward, you're in that wheelchair because of me. Not one. Sometimes I read that story and I think, wow, can we really be that ungrateful? I mean, is there really people that even when you literally say their life can't say thank you? But I think if we can be honest with ourselves, God has done that and more. And I wonder how many times we've not been thankful. How many times we've allowed Thanksgiving to be everything else. It's been the football and it's been the meal and it's been family. But it's not been about thanking God. You know that this psalm, it was written by a psalmist that... He was writing about the Sabbath day. He was, he was writing about going to church, if you will, at that time, going to the temple. And he, he wanted to just kind of express what going to the temple was for him, how thankful he was to be able to go and worship a God. And he said, it's a good thing, it's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. He wanted to share all about thankfulness to God. So this morning, as we approach this week of Thanksgiving, I just want to share with you four, four simple reasons that the psalmist shares with us of why he was thankful to God. He was thankful to God, first of all, in your notes, because of God's character, because of God's character. Notice that he says there in verse number one and verse number two, he says, it's a good thing to give thanks, to sing, to show forth thy loving Kindness. You know, the character of God leaves us so much to be thankful for. So much. And the first thing is God's loving kindness. I don't know if you've ever taken time just in your life to, to, to stop and think that we serve a God that's loving. You know that not all the gods of this world are loving. There is only one true God, but there are many gods in this world. There are, in other words, there are many things that people worship today. Some people worship sports. Some people worship money. Some people worship violence and greed and all kinds of things. But you know, none of those gods, whether you're serving the God of money or you're serving the God of pleasure or you're serving the God of your own making, none of them are loving like the one true God. In fact, he uses the word hesed here. It's the word that is... Translated many times in our Bible, mercy. Sometimes it's uh, translated kindness. And in here, in the context, it's translated loving kindness. Uh, Both coming together and the psalmist is reminded, man, the God that I serve. Listen, you know what I'm so thankful about for him? Is the character of God that is loving and kind to me. The God that is merciful to me. You know what the psalmist was thinking as he was going to church that morning? He was saying, you know what? I'm not here because of my own power. I'm not here because I've had great plans. It's not, I'm not here because of my position, but rather I'm here because of God's goodness. Because God's been merciful to me. Sometimes we look at Thanksgiving and we think, man, look at all we've accomplished this year. I wonder if my work's going to give me a bonus. I wonder if I'm going to get this or that. Am I going to get the days I deserve off this week? And I'm not saying there's no place for that. But what I'm saying is Thanksgiving's more than that. Thanksgiving's about taking time to remember our God's mercies for us. Man, think about the mercies that we have experienced this year in this year of 2020. The loving kindness God has shown to you and to me. Listen... There's no other reason that we're here this morning sitting where we're at or on a, on a TV screen or on a computer screen watching without the loving kindness of God. There's no way. Just in our church alone, seven people passed away this year. But you and I are still here. Oh, but that's because I was really careful. No, it isn't. Oh, that's because I've I've really followed the guidelines. No, it isn't. You can be very careful and you can follow all guidelines and still not make it to the end of a year. This is what we call God's loving kindness to us that we're here this morning. That's why in Lamentations 3, the, the, the prophet Jeremiah writes, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because of his compassions, they fail not. We find that the psalmist says we ought to be thankful for his loving kindness. But then notice he says also for God's faithfulness. It's not just the loving kindness, but the faithfulness of God. He says to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. I love that because God's loving kindness gets us up in the morning. We wake up because God's been good to us, right? But you know what keeps us awake throughout the day? God's faithfulness. God's loving kindness wakes us up. God's faithfulness keeps us up. The word faithfulness here, it's the, uh, it's the Hebrew word mune, and it, and it means to have firm, to be, to be steadfast. God is firm in dealing with us. In other words, He is consistently with us. He is steadfast to us, to get us through the day. Listen, I don't know about you, but in a year full of challenges, I'm glad there's something that's staying consistent, right? In, in and in a year where it seems like everything's changing and, and, and sometimes you can do this and now it's open and then the next day it's closed and uh, sometimes you can go and have the liberty to do this, sometimes you don't have the freedom to do that anymore. It's nice to know that there's a consistency in life. Through the challenges, through the difficulties, through the good news, through the bad news, through the victories of the year, through the defeats of the year. There's something that's consistent, and that's God's faithfulness. The psalmist said, you know, when I start thinking about, what am I thankful for? I'm thankful, first of all, for God's character. He's loving kindness, his faithfulness. In fact, Lamentations 3.23, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I'm thankful, he says, first of all, for his character. But secondly, he says, I'm thankful for God's creation. With God's creation, notice in verse uh, number four, he says, For thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hand. Did you know that God's work is Supernatural it can't be explained by man we we can try and find out how it works right i mean uh, we know a little bit about how the heart works we know a little bit about how our bodies kind of work and what makes the eye see and things like that but but we can't really explain it right i mean we can we can say i mean blood that gives us life and why does blood give us life though well i don't know cuz that's how god made it I, I don't know yeah but why do we need veins to like take the blood why why can't i don't know it's a supernatural work. I, I wish I could explain exactly why God designed us the way He did, but, but I, can, I can try to find how it works. But it's a supernatural work. God's work is supernatural because He's supernatural. In fact, much of God's creation is greater than, than we can comprehend. You know, if you study astronomy, after a while, it's just numbers, right? I mean, how can there really be Something that's a million times bigger than our earth. But the sun is. And that's not even the biggest star in our galaxy. Much less in our universe. <laughs> yeah, how can that, it's just numbers. At some, because it's way beyond our comprehension. The psalmist starts to think and he says, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for God's character, but also for God's creation. It's an amazing creation. But not only what God's created out there, but me. God's work in me, he says, thou hast made me glad through thy work. You know, we are part of God's work. You know, so many times we forget about God's work in us, but it is amazing to think about it. For instance, did you know that every second your body produces about 25 million new cells? That means in 16 seconds, you have produced more cells in your body than there are people in the United States. In 16 seconds. Do you know that there's between 60,000 and 100,000 miles of blood vessels in the human body? Side by side, just like laid out in in order like that, end to end, they'd be long enough to go around the world three times, at least. Do you know that the heart beats more than three billion times in the average lifespan? Three billion Do you know that the heart circulates your blood through your body about a thousand times a day? That's God's creation. No wonder the psalmist, as he's thinking about that, he's thinking, wow. Thank God that my heart's still beating. That it's still circulating blood a thousand times a day. You ever done anything a thousand times in a day? It gets boring. It's tiring. But God never tires And just thinking about that creation, he starts thinking about, man, look how God has has created me. You know, one of the, the psalmist said in Psalm 139, in verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. (laughs) Marvelous are thy works. I would say it's pretty marvelous. It's pretty amazing. He says, I'm thankful for God's work in me. And by the way, let me just tell you what the best part is. He's not done. In fact, God's greatest work is still yet to come. It is amazing. God's greatest work is still yet to come. You see, the Bible says he's going to give us new life. This life one day will end, but there's a new life coming. For those that have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says he will give us eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, the apostle John said, because he lives, we too shall live. There's another life coming, and it's only going to get better. If you think this body's amazing, wait till you get your next one. It's going to be unreal. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, he says, those that have trusted in Christ, I've given, God said, my Holy Spirit. And it indwells in us. He's the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession and the praise of his glory. In other words, he says, I have put the Holy Spirit in you that have trusted in me. You say, well, why is that important? Well, because that makes us his. And now that we are his, he says, let me tell you something. Once this life is over, those that have my Holy Spirit indwelling them, I'm not only going to give you a new life, I'm giving you a new body. And this body's going to be amazing. You look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, there in your notes. He says, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. He said, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Can you imagine? We're going to have a body that doesn't get coronavirus. It's not going to get colds and headaches. It's not going to experience fevers. It's not going to have death. It's not going to have aches. And I'm learning, I'm turning 37 this month, aches come just because you keep getting older. I've I've learned that. When you're younger, it's because you're exercising or doing something. When you're older, it's just getting out of bed. That's it. That's all it takes. I can't wait for a body that's going to get out of bed and It's going to be fine. Simply saying the best is yet to come. And as the psalmist is thinking about it, he's thinking, wow, God's working me. I have a lot to be thankful for with God's work in me. I'm glad for the work of thy hands. But not only God's work in me, but God's work for me. (laughs) And I don't know that I have enough time to truly cover this truth, but when we think about God's work for us, we're truly left speechless. We truly are. In verse number five, he says, Oh Lord, how great are thy works. Thy thoughts are very deep. In other words, I, I can't always understand everything that God does. I can't always comprehend it. You say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean you can't comprehend it? I, I mean this. I, I mean that I can't comprehend why he loved us. When we were not lovely. When we were cursing him, he was loving us. When we were rebelling against him, he was coming to us. He provided for us when we could not provide for ourselves. I mean, think about it. If you had to pay just a dollar, a dollar's not even a whole lot of money. I mean, I give my six year old and my four year old a dollar every once in a while. But if you had to give a dollar for every heartbeat, but how about breath? How about blood vessels? I mean, if you just had to pay a little bit, we couldn't couldn't afford this body. And yet, He provided it for us. He loved us anyway. He strengthens us when we are weak and feeble. He comforts us in our trials and difficulty. He's healing our infirmities He stays with us when everybody else leaves us. I'm telling you, there are countless ways that God shows shows us about his work for us. In fact, Job got to the point in his life after going through all of his trials and all of his difficulties, he says, who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? He said, therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. You know, when you think about God's work in you, and when you think about God's work for you, it defies anything that you can think about. You can truly say, man, God's thoughts are so deep. I don't even understand why he would do this. But he does. Let me ask you this morning, are you thankful for his creation? But the psalmist says, I'm not only thankful for the character of God, I'm not only thankful for the creation of God that makes me glad, that makes me triumph, but I'm I'm also thankful for God's control. You'll notice in verse number 6, he said, the brutish man. Some translations of the Bible, and I kind of, I'm afraid to use the word that they use, but this is literally what it means. So if you're telling your, teaching your children not to say this word, I... I can totally understand, you can blame me, I'm very sorry, but they say stupid. That's the word that it literally means. The the man that lacks any kind of understanding or intelligence, he said he can't see it. That man lives his life and does what he does and he thinks, ah, I got it all under control. And What he doesn't understand is that God's in control. You see, God's in control over the wickedness in our world. We, we live in a world full of people. And these people, we're all infected with sin. And you know that uh, sin has, has caused so many things in our world. Sin has caused confusion. It causes heartache. It causes theft. It causes death. It causes separation. It causes hate. It causes pain. It causes fear, insecurity, regret, suffering. Makes people do all kinds of violent acts. Why do they do that? Sin. We live in a world full of sin. With sinful people. And yet through all of that, God is still in control. Sometimes we think, man, what's going to happen here? And should I be worried? Many are worried about the integrity of the elections of our country. And I think it's important. But at the end of all of it, it really... Let me just say, God's in control. The hope of the the country, as I've said many times, isn't in the White House. It's in the church house. But let me tell you, when God's people cease to be thankful, when we cease to say and live in a way that God is in control, then we experience the world we have. Who's going to stop that hate? Who's going to stop the violence? And who's going to stop the suffering and the pain? God. You say he's going to stop it totally. One day he will. But until then, he's faithful. He's our constant. He's the one that gives us loving kindness. The one that's created us so unique. We find that the psalmist said, man, I'm thankful that God's in control over the wickedness of the world. By the way, I don't know about you, but does it ever seem to you like the people that do bad and wrong get away with it a lot? Let me just at least comfort you to say that you're not the only one that's thought that. Psalm chapter 73, whenever you get into a point where you feel like, man, everybody just seems to get away with this. How, how does one political party get away with murder, for crying out loud, for everything? Nothing ever seems to happen to them. The other one doesn't ever do anything. And, and, and what is about... You're not the first one to have those thoughts. Look in Psalm 73. And the psalmist there is starting to think about what's going on in his life. And you'll start in verse number one. And, and he starts talking about in verse number two. He said, man, it's, in verse number one, he said, it's good to trust in God. It's good to know and remember that God's in control. But he gets to verse number two and three and four and he starts saying, you know, there was a time in my life where I thought, this thing of following God and doing right, it doesn't pay. I mean, listen, it just seems like the more I'm faithful to church, the worse it gets. It seems like the the more that I tithe, the less that I have. The more that I serve God, the more trials come into my life. The more I try to love people, the more people talk bad about me. He says, and nothing happens to them. How come it's always I'm going through these difficulties, but them, they don't fear God. They control what's on television. They put all kinds of wickedness. And yet, man, look at Hollywood. And their house is bigger than mine. They get paid a whole lot bigger of a check than I do. They seem to be enjoying life and doesn't seem like they're struggling with much. And the psalmist said, man, I, that's how I feel. I feel like they get away with everything and I get away with nothing. But notice in verse 16, he says, but then when I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. He said, I didn't want to think about it anymore until I went into the sanctuary of God. then, understood I their end. And you'll go from verse 17 to the end of the chapter and you'll find that he says, man, they're on a slippery slope. Hey, do you know that the work that they do will come to an end? Do you know that they're on a path for destruction? Do you know that pride cometh before a fall? He said, man, I started thinking about that and this is what what I'm thankful for. God's in control. (laughs) You know, they're not really getting away with it. Oh, they might get away with it in the temporary, but they're not getting away with it. You see, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. The Bible says, listen, a sin will go punished. It will never go unpunished. He said, I'm thankful that God's in control over the wickedness of this world. And he said, I'm glad he's in control of the righteous by his will. You look in verse number 9 and verse number 10. The psalmist says, man, I'm always glad that God always rewards the righteous in his time. He doesn't reward according to my calendar, but according to his calendar. God's not waiting for our permission to go ahead and, and try to bless us or reward us. No, the Bible says, we wait on him, wait thou on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It's not about... I think this needs to happen. It's, God, what do you think needs to happen? You you ever thought, man, if I was only, if if people just listened to me, you know how great the world would be? Probably not too great, (laughs) to be honest. You say, I don't know if you know that. How can you prove that? Let me just look into your home situation. How's that going? Our homes are not perfect. We all know that. We control a lot what's going on in our home, yet we still can't find perfect happiness. Simply saying, it's great to know that God's in control of the righteous, that in due season, God will reward. I love Galatians 6 8 For he that soweth to the flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Just keep at it. Just keep at it. The psalmist said, you know, I'm thankful. I'm thankful about who God is. I'm thankful for what he's created. I'm thankful for his control. And let me end with this. I'm thankful, he said, for his care. I'm thankful for God's care. There in verse Number 12, 13, and 14, and 15 there. He says, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, and he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that he planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. You know, a hymn writer Not long ago, maybe 60 or 70 years ago, wrote this hymn about a man by the name of Charles Weigel, and he wrote a hymn called, No One Ever Cared For Me Like Jesus. I don't know if you've ever heard that hymn, but he wrote this hymn, and I love the second stanza of this song. He he wrote, All my life was full of sin when Jesus found me. All my heart was full of misery and woe. Jesus placed his strong and loving arms around me, and he led me. In the way I ought to go. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one. Man I hope. This morning we're thankful for his care. He cares for you. He cares what happens to us. He cares so much that he gives. The Bible says strength to the righteous. And in this life we need strength. Strength. I love the contrast that the psalmist makes. He says, you know, the wicked are brought low. The wicked will not prosper. The wicked, listen, at some point it's going to end. But for the righteous, he gives us strength. He gives us strength to endure. He gives us the vigor that we need. See, living wickedly only leads to defeat and to discouragement. Oh, but living righteously. There's joy in that. There's strength and joy in those that do what God commands. That's why in Psalm chapter 1, he says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. For his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Listen, if you need some strength today, look to God's word. Think about and be thankful for the care that God has for you and for me. Man, it's an amazing care. Listen, I've got two pets. I know some of y'all have pets. Man, we we care for those pets, do we not? You take them to the vet, and there's no, no, no such thing as a cheap vet visit, right? I mean, it's like 500 bucks just to walk through the door with your dog. Wait, what? But so many times we pay that so easily. Why? Because he's my dog. That's my cat. I, I, I care for this animal. I mean, if he can't do it, I, I got to help him. He won't do it alone. He's sick or he needs medicine or he needs this or he needs that. I care for him. Aren't you thankful that there's a God that cares for you and me? That no matter what you're going through, he, he's there. To say, I'm with you. He says, I, I'm thankful that his care in giving strength to the righteous, but also giving fruit to the righteous. You see, there's a fruitfulness to serving God and to being righteous in God. There comes blessings from God that have eternal significance. Lives are changed. Homes are are united, churches are growing, Mergers are joyful, friendships are close, jobs are fun. You have moments without regret, without sorrow. That's what you find from the fruit of God's work. I wonder, are you thankful for that? Are you thankful that God doesn't leave you abandoned? In fact, he says in verse 3 of Psalm 1, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly, he says, are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Psalmist is just saying he cares. And I'm just saying this morning, are you thankful that he cares? He cares to strengthen you when you're weak. He cares that your life be fruitful at the end. He said you can be like a tree of Lebanon, like the palm tree whose roots go deep and their fruit is plenteous. To show To show that the Lord is good. I'm telling you, this Thanksgiving, what's it all about? It's about being thankful. Be thankful that God is loving, kind, and faithful. Be thankful that God has made us the way we are. That we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Be thankful today that God's in control no matter who wins or loses some election. It doesn't matter what goes on in our world, what virus comes in or what virus goes out. God's in control. Be thankful this morning that he cares for you and for me. The psalmist said, man, when I think about it, I'm thankful. It's a good thing to give thanks. I want to challenge you this week. I want to encourage you. Thursday comes around. Most of us don't work. I hope you'll take time in that day, in the midst of eating with family, in the midst of watching football, and eating pie, take time to remember. You know what today's all about? Thankful to God. Thankful to God. And I hope that this week you'll do that. Do you know, during the difficult days, when there's been war, we've, we've honored people that have gone... Not many years ago, there was a football player by the name of Pat Tillman. I don't know how many remember his name in the news, but Pat Tillman was getting offered by the Arizona Cardinals a contract of $3.9 million a year to play for them. But it was around that time that we were attacked by terrorists, and Pat Tillman, having a background of being in the military, decided to say, this is going to come first. And he turned down the contract and went to war. And it cost him his life. But he says, you know, there's something greater to life than playing for the Arizona Cardinals. See, there's something that was higher. There was something that meant more to him than football. I share his story to say, listen, there's more to Thanksgiving than just the usual. I hope we'll take time this year and just say, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be thankful to God. Thankful for His character, His creation, His control, and His care. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You that this morning we have so much that we are to be thankful for. Every year, Father, we take time as a nation, as families, to celebrate this. But so many times, Our celebrations can be about everything else except what it should be about. Oh, Help us this week to not allow that to be a reality in our lives. Help us to ponder and to think about what we have studied in your word as a psalmist talked about thankfulness. Help us to have a life that truly is thankful. Help us this this week to spend time with you to spend time thinking about who you are and what you've done. Oh, Father, may it move us. May it, may it be something that this week would bring us closer to you and that we would see you in a, in a brighter way, in a clearer way. Oh, Father, help, help us to be truly a thankful people. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.
1: And uh, thank you for that challenge, Pastor Jeremy. A couple announcements and we'll get you out the door here. Um, This Wednesday night service has been moved to Tuesday night. So we are going to still have midweek service, but it will be Tuesday night instead of uh, Wednesday night. And uh, that's going to still be at 6 o'clock, if I'm not mistaken, Master Jeremy, 6 o'clock on, Wednesday, on Tuesday night. That would be the normal Wednesday night service that we've uh, started up here the last couple of Wednesdays. And we're moving that to Tuesday just to give you enough time to stick that, stir- that uh, turkey in the oven on Wednesday night and get everything ready for uh, the Thursday uh, family meals and things like that with 11 people or less, according to the, uh, that's right, Um, anyways, but a couple things, now we are thankful for what God is doing amongst us, and man, it's so great to see a thriving church, and and this, uh, especially this English service, thankful for that here today, thankful for God's blessings on our country in many different ways, and um, we always like to also think of those that aren't as fortunate, and that uh, we can be a help to, and so uh, before we're dismissed here, we're going to take just two and a half minutes to watch a quick video here about something that took place, uh, Nicaragua was hit with two hurricanes in the last 19 days and it has utterly devastated that country and so Um, we as our pastor has uh, been part of uh, obviously his background having grown up there uh, if you want to make sure the sound check and go back there Um, as our pastor having been uh, uh, you know grown up there we have a lot of ministry contact there we do um, we've done a lot of camps a lot of pastors things and things like that well um, so many of those pastors have not only lost their homes churches have been destroyed and there's just a great need represented and so we're going to watch this video, but then at the end of the video, literally I'm going to pray and we'll be dismissed. But on your way out, there are some little uh, baskets at the uh, offering plate areas there for you to drop something off. We want to send some as much help as possible. And I know that we were able so far to raise like five or 6000 but we want to get to ten or $12,000. That is just the beginning of the help that is needed. And you'll see here in the next few moments the help that is needed. And so if God lays it on your heart, if you are a text-to-give person or an online giving person, I think there's going to be something there for you to be able to do that, if not just give the missions and let Pastor Jeremy know, hey, I gave 25, I gave 50, I gave 100 towards that missions, but I wanted to go to the help in Nicaragua as we try and help these people. And so I just wanted, we want to put that need before you and give us an opportunity as we're rejoicing in thankfulness that there are Christians in Nicaragua that need our help and that they can one day be thankful for what we cared about enough to do for them. So let's watch this video as we see what took place there, what's taking place.
2: Two Things Plain. Como entre sombras y Como sentirme sola Y en el dolor viví Si Cristo es mi consuelo Mi amigo siempre fiel, si aún las aves tiene, seguro así lo en si aún See amén
1: if you would just stand to your feet here, and I do, I just want to say a few more things there. Um, I have been to several of those places, and uh, some of them I have not because where the hurricane came in on, it's more on the. Um what would be the east coast of the country and so it's a little bit less populated i've been more on the on the more populated side managua and up towards leon and all that area there matagalpa but all of the country has suffered devastation a lot of those cities that were mentioned there were more of that other region and our pastor through the the ministry of latin american outreach which is a ministry out of our church um, we do a lot of literature distribution into those cities a lot of churches that we've helped in those cities and so uh, we just want you to know anything you give will be not be going to an organization or something like that. It'll be going directly to those pastors, directly to those families that have been impacted by what has taken place. And so anything that you give will go directly to that. And I want to say one other thing, Um, Honduras, which is the country directly to the north and borders uh, Nicaragua in the north, it has suffered devastation as well. And um, the difference being that Uh, Nicaragua being under a communist dictator right now um, it's under all kinds of sanctions almost like Iran basically it's under all kinds of sanctions so a lot of the big organizations that normally could fly in with the big military planes which is what's going on in Honduras and offering all kinds of aid and help is not allowed to take place because of the dictator in Nicaragua because of the sanctions that are taking place there. And so we as a church are only trying to help directly to those pastors because some of that other help is not available. Uh, There's no FEMA. There's no help for those people that have lost houses, those pastors. And obviously we can't do everything for a country of four or five million people, but there are Christians, there are churches, there are pastors that we can help and so anything that you give will go directly to that. Father, we thank you for having met with us this morning. Thank you for the challenge and thank you for a week that we get to take and pause and consider what thank Giving is all about, and help us to be grateful and thankful. Thank you for the opportunity to be a help to brothers and sisters in Nicaragua. And I pray, Father, that you would just bless the efforts that are taking place there. We thank you for a church. Thank you for Pastor Jeremy. Thank you for all that was done today, and we ask that you would just guide us safely to our homes and just give us a good rest of this week. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for having been here. God bless you. You're dismissed.